Up next on the Pro Football Scouting Podcast, the Week 5 Scouting Report with yours truly, Steve the Scout. Scouting out of the blue corner. He gives you your football meat and potatoes style and is the undisputed king of detailed player analysis. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Steve the All right, guys, let's get everything rolling. We got week five for you. The first game that I'm going to break down are the Denver Broncos taking on the New York Jets. What happened in that game? Why did that game turn out how it did? And who are the players that really made a big difference? Um, when I go when I go and look at that game, both quarterbacks, Case Keenum, Sam Darnold, they both played well. Sam Darnold had exceptional pocket presence, accuracy, poise, feet work, pocket awareness, and field vision. All that was stellar today. Darnold did have one interception. It was thrown on a batted ball. A lot of times, you know, people say that an interception is not the quarterback's fault because it's a batted ball. That's not always necessarily true because um, sometimes a ball gets batted because of your release point. So teams can actually scheme up and try to figure out what your release point is and try to generate more deflected passes. So, um, you know, the quarterback, it, it, it is something that is in their control to a degree. Um, when you look at the Jets running running scheme, the Jets zone running scheme, I said it before and I'll say it again. Jets fans should be excited about this. Why? Because their offensive coordinator and their own line coach comes from the Alex Gibbs coaching tree who has orchestrated 20 years plus of NFL dominance for his rushing attacks for the teams that he has coached. The Jets linemen on the offensive side of the ball, they played really well as a group. They allowed Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell to make the plays that they needed to make, and they did just that. So it was the offensive line, but also Powell and Crowell were great. Credit, go, credit goes to both of those backs. Both of them were shifty, had great vision, quick reflexes, ran with a lot of physical toughness and explosion. That opened up the floodgates for Sam Darnold to have a really good game. Robbie Anderson got great separation on the deep ball, partially because of the Jets' running attack, Got them off balance, but you got to give a lot of credit to Anderson as well. He he was he was he was really good today. The entire offense was functional today because the coaches had a good game plan, smart play calling, good blocking schemes, good running back performance. Uh, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Anunia, and of course Sam Darnold. And uh, I'll say this about the Denver Broncos: they can rush, they can rush the passer, but they still have some other some other defensive issues. They're going to have to work on. They got they got to work on slowing down the running game, and I'm seeing that this year. There are a number of teams that can get after the quarterback, but they're not they're not that effective in the run game, which really makes it harder ultimately to get after the quarterback to begin with. So great job by the New York Jets and their coaching staff, and the entire team. Jets came out with a big victory here. But when I got to give the game MVP ball, that goes to Jets running back Bilal Powell, 15 yards, 200 carries. Highly impressive. Moving on to game number two. The Raiders were in Los Angeles to take on the Chargers, and here's what happened. The Chargers got up early over the Raiders because of turnovers. 
San Diego, not only turnovers, but San Diego's screen game and the Raiders' inability to tackle San Diego on, on different screen passes is what really busted that game wide open. San Diego running back Austin Eckler, their young running back, took a screen pass from Phillip Rivers all the way to the house, and despite the good blocking that the Chargers gave him and the poor tackling, the rate um, this young running back, his shiftiness allowed him to evade all the Raiders defenders who came after him. Phillip Rivers was great on the run today, led his receivers into space all afternoon. He did not face nearly the amount of pressure that his opposing QB, Derek Carr, faced, but... Despite Carr's big end zone interception, which I know was really what meant, completely really mentally buried the Chargers, or excuse me, excuse me, buried the Raiders in this game, Derek Carr still made a number of good throws today. This game was truly dominated by the Chargers in the trenches and combined with better quarterback play, help, help from all the members of the Chargers supporting staff, uh, supporting cast. When you look at Melvin Ingram, he was great. Their running backs were great. They got protection. The Chargers were simply a better football team today. Again, also won that game in the trenches. And my MVP for this game is quarterback Phillip Rivers playing at an MVP level, maybe having the best start he's ever had to a regular season. Phillip Rivers went 22 for 27 today for 339 yards, an 81.5 completion percentage, and two touchdowns, no interception, quarterback rating of 143. Hell of a job by Philip Rivers. It all began on a cold Sunday, January 2018, where the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Minnesota Vikings to go on to the Super Bowl and eventually win it. That story continued again with part two happening in week five of the 2018 NFL season, where the Minnesota Vikings Set out for revenge. And that is exactly what happened. The Minnesota Vikings got revenge. Not exactly the same thing as uh, as winning the Super Bowl, but it feels good to beat the team that beat you to get to the Super Bowl. Vikings at Eagles today. Here's what happened. The Vikings offense, they were easily moving the ball in the beginning of this game, especially on the first drive. And it finally, you know, when the Vikings got on defense... Their defense came back from the dead. They've been they've been dead a lot of this year. You look at their game against the Rams, some of their other performances, they really have not been playing good. Considering all the talent the Vikings have on defense, I had to wonder what the hell was going on. But they showed up today, and Linval Joseph was jumping off the screen early in the game. He was getting into the backfield. He was constantly he was constantly pressuring the quarterback and collapsing the pocket, and just really had a good afternoon overall. But Steve the Scout, tell them more about the growing legend of Linval Joseph. Whoever that guy is, he sounds really freaking creepy. But yeah, Linval Joseph, his legend continued all afternoon. He had a game-changing pressure and also the big 300-plus pound defensive tackle from East Carolina took a deflected pass all the way back to the house. Kirk Cousins had tremendous ball placement throughout the game, and he has truly evolved into a Pro Bowl-level quarterback. Much credit has to go to their offensive coordinator and quarterback guru, John Filippo. Filippo was also Carson Wentz's QB coach last year. He helped Wentz take a big jump in his second year in the league when he was with the Eagles previously. 
Carson Wentz as a quarterback. He was spot on all afternoon. But this game came down to the wire. The Vikings defense played better in year, in weeks past. But the MVP of this game is Kirk Cousins. No question about it. Defense, defense played a lot better. But Kirk Cousins is still the MVP of this game. 30 for 37. 301 yards passing. One touchdown pass. Good job by Kirk Cousins. Of hell. A curse was placed today on Green Bay Packers kicker Mason Crosby. Yeah, I mean, that had to be one of the most disappointing Sundays that any kicker had in the NFL today, uh, or that any kicker has had in a long time. I mean, Mason Crosby was really bad today, really bad. He went 0 for 5, he missed everything. From extra points to 30-yard field goals to 40-yard field goals to 50-yard field goals. I mean, he literally could not make anything. And had he made those field goals, they they would have they would have won the game. I mean, realistically, I mean, you got to feel bad for the guy. But you know, he is he is the reason they lost that game. You know, truth. You know, speaking the truth here. But looking looking at you know what happened, uh, the Lions' defensive front they played aggressive. They played well in the first half. Uh, but the first half story was not just Mason Crosby, but virtually everything in the galaxy not going well for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they had they had some they had a couple fumbles uh, with the with the pressure that the Lions generated. Aaron Rodgers got hit. The ball came out um, in the very in the very beginning of the game. The opening kickoff got messed up. So I mean, uh, they just had a lot of things that were that were not bouncing their way. In the second half of the game, they came they came back. Aaron Rodgers had a great performance. Almost led this team back, but really um, the dif- the difference was just them not having not having the field goals. But if you look at everything else, um, you know all things included, you know the MVP of this game is definitely Aaron Rodgers. He was he you know he was he was the better quarterback today on the field. Matthew Stafford played played really well. Um, a guy who I was big on was was Kenny Galladay uh, from the Detroit Lions. He was highly physical today. Um, had had a bit had a couple couple big physical catches had a red at a red zone TD where he used his height to get it um, great stiff arm and ha ha Clinton Dix good things from that young receiver Mr Galladay but ultimately what made the difference in this game was the Green Bay Packers kicker Mason Crosby otherwise that they would have won the game good job good job still by the Lions they played they played aggressive good game from Matthew Stafford uh, Kenny Galladay but I got to say Aaron Rodgers is definitely my MVP of this one. Oh, and God, the next game was painful for me to watch. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I mean, it was great to watch. I loved it. It was an exciting game. But just the way it ended, you guys know I'm a Giants fan. So the Giants took on the Carolina Panthers. Um, this And just so you know, kind of my schedule each week is typically the Giants play at 10 a.m. where I'm located in Phoenix. Uh, soon it'll be 11 a.m. or sometimes they'll play at 1 so uh, I'm spending literally every second of the day outside of watching that game, watching everything that happens in every other game, and then I go to bed. So, <laughs> you know, my my uh, my one moment of being a fan today, and not and not just being a scout uh, and someone who reports on the sport. I'll say reports damn well on it. Uh, it was a difficult loss to swallow. The Giants had a rough start to this game. Uh, they had a special teams blunder. Uh, which gave Carolina an early touchdown, uh, as well as a screen pass by Carolina that was followed up by a ton of missed tackles. The Giants' secondary, they did not play well as a unit. 
Um, Janoris Jenkins was was good today. No problem with him. But Landon Collins played with a lack of aggressiveness. Uh, I don't know what was going on there. Um, they just weren't making a lot. They were they were not tackling in the open field, and they weren't wrapping guys up. Um, Eli Apple was not as effective um, as I would have liked to see today, but that's understandable. He was playing hurt. He was coming back from an injury, so um, it's you know uh, that's that's understood. You think sometimes you take bad performance with a grain of salt. The Giants, you know, there's almost been this back and forth talk between Giants fans: is it Eli Manning or is it the offensive line? Um, and I think sometimes it's been a combination of both. I'll say it's. Definitely been more so the Giants' offensive line more than anything else. Um, But the Giants, they protected Eli Manning better today than usual, which is nice to see. This was the first time the Giants scored more than 30 points in a game in the last 36 games. Let me say that again. This was the first time the Giants scored 30 points or more in a game in the last 36 games they have played in. At times in this game, Eli Manning was to blame. While having some some good early throws, he had a few really bad ones that let that led to interceptions that were really just poorly thrown footballs. But outside of that, Eli Manning, he looked he looked really good this game. His arm was explosive. I mean, outside outside of yeah, I'm I'm not lying. I'm not making it up. Yes, there were some terrible throws, but outside of that, he did good. Um, he did. His arm is explosive. He was accurate. He showed a lot of backbone in the game and the way he fought back after throwing those early interceptions. I mean, some of those passes were horrific. I'm I'm not denying that. But you got to give him credit. You know, he came back and made a lot of good throws. Um but I mean, he still he still had he still has limitations that he showed this game. So, uh, you know, who knows how much longer he'll be playing for, but to me, he's still he's still a capable quarterback. Um he's like Josh Rosen, and I'll talk about that more in a bit. Um some quarterbacks uh, I believe if you start hitting them, they really, they really just start playing like crap, and they their accuracy fades. They hear footsteps, and he's one of those quarterbacks. But when he's in a rhythm, you know he's really good. Um, Damon Harrison, stellar game. Giants defensive tackle clocking the running game uh, against Christian McCaffrey did a great job at that. Odell Beckham was sensational. Saquon Barkley got a hundred yards from scrimmage again, and he is he is now one of. One of three players that has done this his first five consecutive games in the NFL get 100 yards from scrimmage. But Saquon, uh, while having some amazing running plays in this game, he was victim to some predictable running plays being called. I did feel the Giants' play calling was predictable today at times, but ultimately this game had some of the worst officiating calls I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, look, when the Giants commit penalties or they don't commit penalties, I'm very objective. I'm, I'm not one of those fans that say, oh, no, that was a penalty when it really wasn't. No, but really when you look at the game today, it was some really bad officiating. Uh, most notably, the Giants drew a pass interference penalty, um, and that had to be one of the worst officiating calls I've ever seen. Uh, the Giants' DB was making a play on the ball and and was essentially in front of the receiver. Um, so the wide receiver dove into, into the Giants' defensive back, but they called pass interference in the Giants' defensive back, which was the, one of the strangest pass interference calls I've ever seen. I mean, it was just, you know, he, the receiver clearly ran into him. If not for this, um, you know, the Giants could have won this game. They really could have. Uh, we see too many. We see too many games nowadays being decided 
by penalties and inconsistencies in the referees and their play calling across the league. And I get it. Part, part of it is because they have added a lot of new rules. We've been hearing about it. But honestly, it taints the league to a degree. In other news, Cam Newton played like Cam Newton today. A big, strong quarterback who can run over or run through a defense and make big plays with his arm. My favorite play of the game, though, was Odell Beckham throwing a long touchdown bomb to Saquon Barkley. Man, that was nice to watch. But uh, the Panthers did win, and the MVP of this game to me was Cam Newton, Panthers quarterback. And the Tennessee Titans took on the Buffalo Bills. And actually, something really funny I'll share this week. Um, I, ma- I made a reference that I believe people who had that fad of eating Tide Pods that have started in Buffalo because they're crazy and they jump through tables with thumbtacks and fire, uh, you, you know, like old school WWE wrestlers. But uh, So someone actually emailed me this week and said, I'm a Bills fan and I don't eat Tide Pods. That was the whole email. That was the whole email. Uh, Look, Titans at the Bills, this game was highlighted by Buffalo's front seven continuing to play with fury and turnovers. Um, And it left, and it left, you know, both teams were really left in a stalemate early on. Josh Allen did not play bad um, given the scope of what he was asked to do, which was complete shorter passes and get the ball in there quickly. Look, he's, he's got a great arm. And he's really athletic. He's way more athletic than people give him credit for. Um, again, he he had he had almost an identical play to what he had in the Vikings game a few weeks ago, where he was at you know somewhere between the twelve and the fifteen yard line, had a had a had a great run and used his big body to dive over the pylon. It looked almost like the identical play. I mean, he's he is he is a good athlete. Um, again, you know, he struggled with his accuracy a lot and, you know, just some other tools, um, are not there, but, uh, look, Buffalo has really good, they have really good coaching up there on the offensive side of the ball. So I think, uh, you know, if he's, if he's gonna, if he's gonna get better somehow and be one of the very few quarterbacks that's, you know, gotten past accuracy issues, I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, Buffalo certainly has good coaching up there, but, uh, yeah, Allen's a great athlete, great arm. Marcus Mariota. Um, he had some off throws to start the game. He had a fumble. It was a he had a big time interception, but he also played good at times. The Bills won this game. The reason why they won it is they were more physical. Their defense was more physical, um, and they were physical in the running game. Uh, they got a better running game going. Chris Ivory and Lashawn McCoy, um, you know, and also also the Bills pass rush. So just you know, on both sides of the ball, they're they're just a more physical team. I thought. Uh, the MVP of this game is the entire Bills front seven. Uh, they were great today, so they are my MVPs of this one. And the Atlanta Falcons, they went to Heinz Field today to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And a huge game from the younger brother of J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt. And so, another freakish pass rusher from the Watt family has entered the NFL. T.J. I am your brother. And the slightly less crazy version of Steve the Scout is now back. So let's talk about what happened at this game. Yeah, TJ Watt was really good. The Steelers pass rush, they finally started to pick up more in this game. With TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward creating pressure up front and around the edge. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what they feed these children. I, I mean, seriously. You look at J.J. Watt, and now you, you look at T.J. Watt. He's had two games this year with three sacks. That is his second game he's had three sacks this year in a game. That's 
Really impressive. Steelers running back James Conner. I think this game proved once and for all that the Steelers really can be okay without Le'Veon Bell. They really can be. Connor, uh, a former cancer survivor, um, and, you know, remarkable story. Read about it. Um, and his his runs early in the game was due to the Steelers dominating the line of scrimmage. Uh, going into this year, I said David DeCastro is one of the 30 best players in the NFL, maybe the best offensive lineman in the game, actually. Um, and if you look at and James Connor's ability to see a hole and blow through it very quickly, it was apparent today. Falcons, their offense has been humming. All season long, Steve Sarkazian, uh, the Falcons offensive coordinator, he does a great job. Um, the Falcons offense, they fought back today. Um, and it's a high-functioning offense, but ultimately the Falcons defense was what is what, what lost the game for them again, and it's really what's losing them their season. This defense looks, this defense looks a lot different with the injuries that they have, and it's hurting them big time. It's literally destroying their whole season because their offense is one of the best in the league, the Atlanta Falcons. And not having not having middle linebacker Deion Jones quarterback that defense, drop into coverage and be as effective as he was in the run game, um, it's continuing to hurt them. They are not the same without him. Um, you know, so so yeah, no, just big game. You know, big game by both. You know, James Conner, T.J. Watt. Um, but really, you know, my MVP of this game, it's, it definitely is James Conner. He had. He had he had 110 rushing yards on 21 attempts and four catches for um, and he also had four catches for 75 yards. So I mean you know you look at that I mean it's that's almost it's 185 yards from scrimmage. So he is he is the MVP in this one. Um, he's proved himself week after week. Um, they are fine to trade Le'Veon Bell. They need help elsewhere. I don't see any problem with them doing it now. Um, so hey look. Steelers held their ground, and you know they 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 got a great running back in James Conner. Moving on to the AFC North rivalry, the Ravens the Ravens versus the Browns. Did I say the Ravens? That sounded really weird. I was it almost sounded like I was trying to combine the Ravens and the Browns, but this is what you this is what happens after you watch every single game all day long. But um, here's my analysis: the first half of this game was for the most part it was a defensive stronghold. Both teams generated pressure. Overall, the running game was more prolific than the passing game for both teams in the first half. Still, quarterbacks Joe Flacco and Baker Mayfield, they look sharp. Both teams' quarterbacks look sharp despite the score, especially Baker Mayfield. Baker's ball placement and his velocity on short to intermediate uh, on short to intermediate passes, it is on another level. And he eventually got them into the into the lead um, and, and into the end zone at the end of the first half. The second half, Baker Mayfield was even better. Um, if you really go back and watch his tape today, screw the score, screw this, whatever the stats are. He is so unbelievably accurate, so accurate, and he can make every possible throw in every way you can imagine. Um, people keep saying he's not Russell Wilson, but I don't know. I mean, look, Russell Wilson is is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I think I think Baker Mayfield has that type of potential as well. Look at the accuracy of his passes. They are so good. Um, I said before the draft, he was going to be better than Darnold, better than Rosen. Um, so far, he's been that. Um, and and I'm not even talking about stats-wise. If you just seen what he's looked like in game situations, he's looked the best so far of all three. Um, and then, you know, when you, look at, when you look at the Browns, everyone was saying that, including me, including me, was saying that the Browns, 
They should have drafted maybe Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, um, Sam. You know, people were saying they should draft Sam Darnold. Uh, people criticized the Browns for that. And if you look at what the Browns have gotten out of Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward, those were the two right draft picks for them because they needed a quarterback. Tyrod Taylor uh, is a consummate pro, great guy. If you see hard knocks, I mean, the guy's the guy is a seriously hard worker and dedicated. But Baker Mayfield's just a better player. It's just nothing, nothing more to it. And Denzel Ward, they got him fourth overall, and he has made that pass rush better because he literally locks down whoever he's going against. Denzel Ward, their fourth overall pick, he is so athletic, he is so fast-twitched, and he is so aggressive. I love Denzel Ward's style of play. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's like Brent Grimes, Tyron Matthew, and, you know, Earl Thomas, I mean, just all kind of mixed into one. I mean, he just has that kind of tenacity. But he's actually more fast-twitched than any of those guys. Might be the most fast-twitched cornerback I've seen in the game. I mean, it's impressive. Um, the Browns' top two draft picks, they're winning games five weeks into the season. And, you know, look, they, they made the right picks. Uh, those guys have shown they can play it up. All these, you know, even, even the other guys I mentioned, Saquon, shown he can play at a high level. So is Bradley Chubb. Sam Darnold. Has looked good at times, but he's looked bad at times. But still, I think the Browns drafted the right guys for their team. Um, great job by Baker Mayfield this game. Great job by Denzel Ward. They are my two co-MVPs this game, but also great, great play from another a number of other players on the Browns' defense as well. And the next game we had on tap were the Miami Dolphins visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. There were a lot of things to like about the way these defenses play today. Uh, the Dolphins' defensive front... They generated pressure. They did. Uh, both rookie first-round pick Micah Fitzpatrick and third-year cornerback Xavier Howard, those guys continue to impress. They make their defense a lot better. The Bengals' offensive line, they did a nice job keeping Dan keeping Andy Dalton upright, but it was not a perfect game in pass protection. Uh, Dalton, you know, he just because of the pressure, he couldn't move around in the pocket the way he wanted to. He couldn't climb the pocket. And for much of the game, uh, the Bengals, you know, their defensive line was bull rushing them, and um, you know it just they just couldn't hold up really at the at the point of attack too much when they were doing that. Uh, I believe that the the Bengals themselves they put this they put this game away in the second half. So um, the Dolphins' offensive line it took a big blow when they when they lost left tackle Laramie Tunsil. Uh, in case you guys don't remember this this was this was the guy that was uh, that was caught on tape before the NFL draft. Smoking weed out of the gas mask. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't. I don't know what happened there. Um, but anyway, um, Laramie Tunsil had to leave the game. Maybe that was why. No, probably not. Look, the Bengals' defensive line. They put this game away in the second half with consistent pressure from Carl Lawson, uh, who, who he, you know, he he went against Tunsil's backup and he beat him pretty handily. Um, Geno Watkins had two sacks and was continuing continuing to break down the middle of the pocket. Michael Johnson and Carlos Dunlap, those defensive ends have been with them for a while. Uh, those four linemen won this game, and that entire unit is my MVP for this one. So the MVP of this game is the Bengals' entire defensive line. They put this game away in the second half, um, and they beat the Miami Dolphins. So next game was the Cardinals at the 49ers. This one was a little weird because, um, you know, Based on the way I'm going to tell the game, the 49ers really, it sounds like they should have won the game. And in some ways, they, they kind of should have. Um, look, despite a loss, 
by the San Francisco 49ers. Um, there was there was a lot to like about their defense on Phil. DeForest Buckner from Oregon, he's in his third year in the league. He's a defensive tackle with the 49ers. He is quickly becoming one of the NFC's most disruptive interior defensive linemen, and he was a handful today. Josh, Ros- Josh Rosen struggled quite a bit today, um, and the Cardinals do not have a good offensive line. It's one of the worst in the league right now. And here's one thing I said about Josh Rosen coming out of college, and I said this earlier in the show. He is similar to my quarterback, Eli Manning. If you give him protection and allow him to get into a rhythm, he is dangerous with his arm and his mind. Still, if you don't protect Josh Rosen, his accuracy goes down a bit too much and he hears footsteps, which means that he thinks the defense is coming earlier than they actually are to get him, much like Eli. The 49ers, they were in his face all day. The 49ers won the line of scrimmage battle on both sides of the ball. The 49ers, you know, their offensive line was a lot better. Mike McGlinchey, the rookie right tackle from Notre Dame, selected 10th overall. Uh, it was him and Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame. Those are their two two offensive linemen that went in the top 10 picks of the draft this year. He was solid again today. He really was. Um, the quarterbacks, um, they didn't really win or lose this game. Uh, talking about 49ers quarterback C.J. Beathard and Cardinals quarterback Josh Rosen. They were not a major factor in this game. The factor in this game really was the 49ers having turnover issues. That was mostly to blame for their loss because... The 49ers, they were better. They were a better team in a few different facets of this game, most notably in the trenches. But one area that the Cardinals dominated in, and one player who dominated this game, was Cardinals defensive end Chandler Jones. He was the most disruptive player in this game today on the defensive side of the ball for any team. And he is my MVP of this game. MVP of this game is Chandler Jones. The Cardinals beat the San Francisco 49ers today. And now, the game of the week is upon us. The NFL's best defense versus the NFL's best offense. The Chiefs hosted the Jaguars. You know, I really am going to have to call security if this weird stuff continues. So, Uh, anyway. All right. Looking at this game, the Chiefs versus the Jaguars. That really was the premier game of the week. It really was. The NFL's offense versus the NFL's defense. Early in this game, Patrick Mahomes, he saw a ton of pressure from Jacksonville's front seven. I mean, this was awesome. It's literally the best offense versus the best defense in football. Early in this game, Mahomes saw a ton of pressure from Jacksonville's front seven. But Patrick Mahomes, he was able to read the field and get the ball out of his hands so quickly And combined with having that many weapons to throw to, the Chiefs were still able to move the ball efficiently, also with good play calling. This was a heavyweight matchup. Uh, And sometimes in games like this, turnovers decide who wins the game. Who wins the game. And Blake Bortles, he had a rough first half. He was intercepted three times, and Kansas City also got a strip sack against him. The Jaguars' elite cornerbacks, Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye, they did, a good, they did a good job limiting Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill early on in this game. They did. But uh, in response to that, and I said this before the game, the Chiefs would want to get Travis Kelsey involved because I still don't know. I said no matter how good the Jaguars linebackers are, 
Um, I know they got guys like Telvin Smith and Miles Jack, Pro Bowl level players. Um, you got Tashawn Gibson who's good, but Travis Kelsey is a mismatch, and he's arguably the best tight end in football. And as good as the Jags' secondary linebackers are, um, se- you know, as good as their secondary and their linebackers are, you know, he was not. He he made some big plays today, and you know that's that's what's going to happen. You know, you have to pick your poison at some point. Um, they put Miles Jack on him. Miles Jack's a great coverage linebacker, but it didn't work. Um, Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, they made a big impact on Sunday's game. Uh, in Sunday's game, uh, after that, you know, you know Blake Bortles, he, he fought back with a touchdown throw. I mean, this game was starting to get out of reach by the end of the first half, but Bortles came back with a touchdown throw, and then the Chiefs came back with a big right hook. Tyreek Hill with his 4.2540, something like that. And Jalen Ramsey with his 4.3840. I know that one is correct. Jalen Ramsey beat him in a foot race. Two of the fastest guys in the league. But Tyreek Hill has world-class sprinter speed. He beat him with a catch downfield. Both guys run some of the fastest 40s in the NFL, but Tyreek was a little faster there. The Chiefs stay creative with their play calling. They use Sammy Watkins creatively out of the backfield and on screen plays. Um, they put this game out of reach early on, uh, and they won, they won the game 30-14. to 14. If Bortles... If Blake Bortles did not turn the ball over this game, um, it could have been closer. And I would not be surprised if these two teams meet again in the AFC Championship this year. But I think a man by I think a man by the name of Tom Brady will have something to say about that because he's in the AFC Championship every year. The MVP of this game is Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs won. And getting on to Sunday Night Football, the Cowboys taking on the Texans. This game, uh, and, the, and the Texans were at home, by the way. This game started off with great blocking up front by the Dallas offensive line. The Texans quarterback, Deshaun Watson, he got outside the pocket. He made plays with his arms, plays with his legs, and on the next drive, their field goal kicker, and on that same drive, their field, field goal kicker misses. The Texans fought back with a lot of plays from DeAndre Hopkins, um, Deshaun Watson. You know, that made their, that, that's what helped their offense early on. But, um, and then, you know, Dak Prescott played well. Um, he got, he started, he got more time in the pocket than we saw in recent weeks, but Cowboys quarterback, Dak, Dak Prescott, the reality started to settle in that on the other side of the football are JJ Watt and Jadavion Clowney. They are on the other side of the football and they started to get pressure. When that happened, Zeke Elliott, he was also not having a lot of running lanes to go through. Uh, and they and they started to get pressure on the running game and shut that down. And I said before this game, I said, uh, if the Cowboys want to win, they have to win this game by running the ball with Zeke Elliott. That is how they win this game. Um, it's based on Houston's defense, and they could not do it. Zeke Elliott did not have running lanes, so, the, so, so there went the Cowboys' hopes of control in this game um, through their star running back. Ezekiel Elliott ran the ball 20 times and only got 54 yards. That's less than three yards per carry. Great job by Byron Jones. He was the Cowboys cornerback. It was a first-round draft pick a few years ago. Didn't know, didn't play up to the level that, that people would have wanted to see the first few years, but has become a better player and has been one of the really good cornerbacks so far in the NFL this year. He did a better job against DeAndre Hopkins, who is a superstar wide receiver of the Houston Texans, but ultimately Hopkins continued to stay involved in that game plan um, and the Texans, um, their offense continued, you know, just to play good enough to win. 
The Cowboys linebackers, Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, those guys were great against the run, but Deshaun Watson, he can beat you in so many ways. He can beat you with his legs. Um, I think he got about 70 rushing yards today and close to 400 passing yards. When, when, you, look, when you look at that, um, and I'll actually pull up his actual stat line in a second. It's literally on the other screen of my computer. Um, but, you know, Sean Lee was out of this game, and those guys stepped up. They got good range. All, all, three, all three linebackers have great range, great, inst- great instincts. Um, those two really do. Those two young guys are, are great. Um, Dak, he didn't play a bad game, but Jadavion Clowney, Clowney and J.J. Watt, they're too much. They're, they're too much. Uh, Houston's Tyron Matthew, uh, their, their safety, I believe he is going to be a Hall of Fame player if he stays healthy. He makes that secondary better, uh, and they got good play from their secondary as well as their linebackers. Everyone in the defense did, did their part. And and they are the reason that they won the game, but no player contributed to no player contributed to this game like Deshaun Watson did, and he is definitely my MVP of this one. And let me pull up those stats for you. Well, excuse me, it was 40 rushing yards and 375 pass yards. The Texans' defense helped them win that game, but no one player did as much as Deshaun Watson. He he is he is my MVP. So that wraps up the games. Remember, question question and answer day is on Wednesday. So if you got a question. Uh, this Wednesday show is full already. Um, the the following Wednesday, that one is getting full as well. So send your questions my way. I will do my best to answer everyone as quickly as I can. Again, all questions go to stevethescout81 at gmail.com. Visit my website, stevethescout.com. Follow me on Twitter on stevethescout81 or Facebook at the Pro Bowl, at the Pro Football Scouting Podcast. This is your boy, Steve the Scout, signing off. And to Steve the Scout, we bid him farewell. Another week of solid reporting on every game in the NFL, breaking it down. Farewell to all, and have a jolly Monday. Ha 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 ha!